Technology has never been more vital to the success of people and organizations around the globe. And that's where you come in. Welcome to MindQuest. I am your host, Mikel Morales, and this is Mission Control Center. Hello and welcome to Mission Control Center, your one-stop shop for IT careers and recruitment advice. Today we are interviewing Olena Trugalia, a Berlin-based self-taught front-end developer who just recently managed to go from being a stay-at-home mom to getting a full-time development job. Olena sat down with us to discuss her transition into tech, the barriers she met along the way, and how other women can overcome them. You can read the first part of the interview at mindquest.io slash blog, where you will also find a new issue in our IT Sui Su series. This time, we look at the role of the Angular developer. But without further delay, let's welcome Elena. Welcome, Elena. Thank you so much for being here today, sharing your experience and an incredible journey with our community. Congratulations on your new job as a junior software developer. Um, I believe you're starting in May, so... Very excited for you. But you were not always in tech, right? Your background is in linguistics and law. You started in business doing translation and eventually became an executive manager and then decided to try tech, but it didn't go too well at first, right? You had a series of uh, interviews that didn't go too well. Um, can you tell us a bit more about that? What was the process like? How did you manage to eventually make it into tech? So I had a range of failed interviews. Um And that, that, that fact got me discouraged. So I decided that the tech was not for me. Um, I always thought that being a developer, you need a special mindset. And I just don't have one. So everyone around me thought the same, except, of course, my husband. But I was too unmotivated and frustrated. So I stopped. I decided it's not for me. I will try something else. After a while, we have moved to Denmark, and I have got a job there as an office manager. Uh, I was working at Unity Technologies in Copenhagen office. I was quite happy with the job since we have just moved in, and I can learn Danish at this job, and I can do something useful instead of just sitting at home. But while working there, I realized that in Europe, the situation with the women in tech is totally different. Every tech company encourage and offer women enormous possibilities in the tech industry. That made me think about tech again and just to give it another shot. And this time I started with web development and I'm doing it right now and I'm loving it so far. And now you just got your first full-time development job. It's amazing, congratulations. You mentioned how hard the interview process can be sometimes. What would you say to those who are going through a series of failed interviews? How can they keep their spirits up? Keep going, no matter what. If you really want this job, if you really want this uh, uh, to work in tech or in any other industry, you just need to learn from your failures and just to move on, to, to, to try again, because... The failure of the interview is doesn't mean that you are uh, not uh, good in what you are doing. It just means it's not the right time or the right company for you because they are looking for something else. Do you think your background in humanities has helped you in tech? Absolutely. Moreover, I think that my humanities, what I have studied a lot of languages, actually helped me a lot 
in this um, direction because I can speak English. That's a big plus in this industry. I can speak German. So now that I moved to Germany and uh, of course I need to refresh, everything is now, all the technology is made, uh, is in English. So this is, and also if you know how to learn a language, for example, if you know how to learn English or German, you know the structure, you know that you need to learn new words, you need to learn grammatic, and you need to speak. So we can uh, do the same scheme while learning uh, programming language, actually, because this is pro uh, practically the same. Uh, you learn the grammar, you learn the syntax, for example, then uh, you learn new words, that means you learn new technologies, and then you, with the communication, you can say that you just need to write a code often. So this is practically the same approach. If you treat the programming language just like just a usual language, which you have to learn in order to communicate with the software or, uh, or develop something, this is just the same. How do you combine your job, learning, raising the kids, you know, especially during lockdown? Do you have a special routine, a proven method? Yes, of course. In order to aid, to manage your home task and study, you have to have a daily routine. Otherwise, you will always feel like you are lacking some time. You don't have enough time. Uh, I was lucky I had huge help from my husband. Uh, when my son was little, usually I have studied for two hours after he went to bed. That was, of course, tiresome because usually you don't feel fresh anymore in the evenings. But I had no other choice. Um, when the first lockdown actually started, it helped me a lot to achieve my goal because my husband started to work from home and we decided to share the time. We had kids anywhere, anyway at, at house, but we he was working from home and we just shared the time. So from morning until noon, he was with the kids. Uh, I was with the kids and from noon until evening he was so i had my two or three hours a day and that was fantastic that was just for me so i jumped right away to the 100 days of codes challenge uh, so i made a habit of coding every day for at least one hour and i do it every single day because if you jump to a challenge you can't you can't slack anymore you need to do it otherwise what's the point so, yes, the daily routine is very important. You're very active in the dev community. You share development tips. You talk about your journey into tech. Why do you enjoy blogging? How has that helped you? I started my blog when I started my study as a web developer. Uh, first, I wanted people just to know my story about being a stay-at-home mom and learning web development at the same time. I was pretty much sure it could encourage other women like me who are afraid about transition to tech and all that stuff. But then as I proceeded with the study, I started to write posts about topics which I have learned myself. Um, I was being a beginner at that time and I found actually it difficult that 
many um, tech topics which are, were covered in blog posts or YouTube at that time are actually not really beginners friendly. They were, uh, some of them are written in a complicated language. I couldn't just grasp this concept at all. Like it was a, like a different world for me. So I decided to try to write down these difficult concepts just in a simple language for myself because it's a good way to write something down if you don't understand it. While writing, you actually learning it deeply by yourself. So I used the um, dev platform as a notes for my study. Uh, so I can come back to it later if uh, I have uh, difficulty with this con concept again or I have to, to, to use it somewhere. And so this is started. And then um, it appeared that uh, there's a lot of people like me out there who, for whom grasping some concept is uh, difficult as well. And they found my explanation uh, to be simpler and uh, precise, how to say. So, and then it started to grow and um, I just um, write it once a week uh, about something which I have recently learned or which I found interesting or I find it difficult to grasp. So I try to write down it in a simpler words. And I encourage everyone to start writing a blog. It's the best, it's one of the best ways to learn by yourself because you have to research something deeply and then you have to explain what is doing and how you can use it and by doing so you you get it you get it like at the end thank you so much elena good luck on your new gig and speak to you soon and now this is what happened in technology this week today is earth day and that means it's as good a day as any other to Reflect on how we're treating the planet and see how we can save it. Often blamed deservedly for spiking carbon emissions, technology can also be a force for good. At individual consumerist level, we can repair devices instead of replacing them. We can order less food online and hold off on next-day deliveries from online marketplaces. Or we can even reduce our Netflix use, as painful as that may be. On the other hand, there are many other ways the tech industry can help tackle the effects of climate change and cut down emissions. From smarter energy grids and storage to IoT-powered wildlife conservation, IT's potential is almost limitless. But the energy consumption of the world's data centers remains the elephant in the room, amounting to nearly as many emissions as the entire airline industry. That's why European cloud operators signed earlier this year the Climate Neutral Data Center Pact, to reach neutral carbon emissions levels by 2030. Plenty of work left to do. And speaking of data centers, have you ever seen one from the inside? Do you know what different sections they're made of? Or what a typical day working at a data center is like? Microsoft's got your back. The company has launched a dedicated site through which anyone can take a virtual tour around a typical Azure data center. Beyond partisan opinions regarding one's favorite cloud provider, the tour offers a great chance to gain a better understanding of public cloud infrastructure and the different roles IT specialists play in its day-to-day -day operations. From the server room to the network room, you can check out that virtual tour 
to see what's under the hood of the cloud. And finally, surely you've heard more than one of your tech-savvy friends complain about the buzz surrounding 5G and how your fancy new phone will be pretty much useless until some years from now. Well, imagine what the same people are going to say when they find out that the 6G hype has already started. That's right. Even though 5G is still in its early stages, public and private investors are already pouring millions of euros into 6th generation wireless technology research. Like the previous generation, the advent of 6G is expected to be accompanied by a proper geopolitical clash, with the US and various Asian countries already after the next telecoms moonshot. The European Commission is wasting no time either. Germany alone has pledged 700 million euros for 6G research in the next five years. And that's all for this week. Make sure you're following us on social media. We're on LinkedIn at MindQuest Talent and on Twitter at MindQuesting. Thank you for listening and until next time.